There is an unseen hand to me that leads Welcome to the Unseen Hand Podcast, featuring the pulpit ministry of missionary evangelist Ronnie Brown. Listen in as Brother Ronnie shares the truth of the Bible and how God's unseen hand can lead and guide your life with each and every verse. This hand still leads me as I go. Let's stand. Genesis chapter 48 and verse 21. Genesis 48 and 21. Let me give you a little bit of a background. Jacob is dying. These are the final waning moments of Jacob's life. He calls in Joseph to bless his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And in this blessing and in this conversation, he gives us the next interruption from God. Look at verse uh, uh, 21 of Genesis 48. And Israel said unto Joseph, Behold, I die, but God shall be with you and bring you again unto the land of your fathers. You can be seated. You see, I almost didn't preach it because it's so similar to last week. Remember the last time we preached on it? God was with Joseph. Well, here's Jacob basically saying the same thing. God will be with you, Joseph. But the more I studied and the more I, I, I read into this passage in the, in the context of it, the more this passage became a blessing from the perspective of a godly heritage. A godly heritage. That's what we want to give to our young people, our children. And those, a lot of these children in here, they don't have their parents here. You ought to, as members of Gethsemane Baptist Church, endeavor to give a godly heritage to the children that come into this place. All right? And that's what we want to talk about today. When God interrupts our, uh, our prodigy, our children, our, uh, our, uh, our, our children, our seed. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. We come to you thanking you for your word, thanking you for what it teaches and how we've been going through this series and finding all sorts of aspects of when you interrupt our lives. God, we want you to do that in the area of our legacy, in the area of a godly heritage that we can give to our children. Father, I pray that you'd help me to preach your word. This is not what I normally preach. I, I, I don't think I've ever preached a, a message having to do with the family. We're having to do with parenting, Father. God, I need your help. I need it every time I get it behind the pulpit. But Father, especially today, guide my lips, guide my tongue. God, I pray that you'd use this message in a mighty way for generations to come. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. I want to share with you a thought about how that God interrupts our progeny, interrupt our progeny or our lineage, our children's lives. You know, when it comes to child rearing and instruction, I'm probably the least qualified in the room here today. I mean, we have a lot of folks here who've, they done raise their children. They're off living productive lives and, and living for the, for the glory of God. Many of you have, 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 have already raised your children, already have seen them off and you've completed your child rearing. Uh, child rearing. Many of, of you ha- have done that. But, but for every parent like me who is struggling to bring up our children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, the question is heavy in our hearts about how do you get them to turn out right 
and to turn out godly. I don't think there's a day that goes by where that doesn't cross my mind. Will my children follow God? Will my children devote themselves to the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, Proverbs, uh, there are some that'll, there are many that quote Proverbs 22, 6, which says, uh, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he'll not depart from it. Some people say, well, you just bring them up in church, read them the Bible, pray with them, teach them how to pray, and you're guaranteed, the Bible says, they'll not depart from it. Well, I take issue with that. Because I know a lot of godly parents that from my vantage point, they did everything right. They took their children to church. They're godly people. They read them the Word of God. They taught them the Scriptures. They taught them how to pray. They led them in all the right paths, and yet they forsook that path and went their own way. So what do we take of Proverbs 22.6? Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he'll not depart from it. I believe that what Proverbs 22.6 says, that if you'll if you'll do all that you can to train them up in the Lord, train them up to, uh, uh, by taking them to church, train them up by teaching them God's Word, train them up by reading God's Word to them, train them up by teaching them to pray, train them up by talking to them about the Lord. I believe if you do that, it doesn't guarantee they'll be saved and they'll, and they'll do right, but what it does guarantee is that they'll never get away from it. Proverbs 22, 6, I believe, is a guarantee that every child brought up in a Christian home will not be able to get away from their godly heritage. Whatever path they take into debauchery and sin and wickedness in this world, it'll never leave them the godly heritage you left on your child. That's why godly heritage is so important. Godly heritage is so important to give to your children. You see, therefore, this is, it is critical that we endeavor to give our children and our families a godly heritage. And we do this by following the example of Jacob in our text. He gives us three examples, three uh, admonitions on, on leaving a godly heritage. You children, here's the whole reason I called Brother Kevin and I said, I want you to cancel Children's Chapel. I want all the children in here. Uh, for this morning. You children should listen and remember the godly legacy from your parents. Every one of you children. I know it's this is not Children's Chapel. We're not going to play any games. We'll get back to doing it next week. You're going to have a great time. We'll have Children's Chapel next week and just like regular. But today, I need your attention. I need you to listen to me today. Remember and 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 listen to the godly legacy of your parents. Now, first of all, in these admonitions and truths, I want to show you, first of all, this is the first thing you do in leaving your child a godly heritage, which I believe is drawn from the text. It's not Ronnie Brown experience. It's not Ronnie Brown theology and what I'm, what I'm not going to write a book on child rearing. I believe that's what the, Bi the Bible teaches us. First of all, we should recall to them our past life. We should recall to them our past life. Now, in the scene here, uh, where we find uh, our text in, in Genesis 48. Jacob is dying. You know, read that in verse 1. It said, And it came to pass after these days that one told Joseph, Behold, your father is sick. And he took him. And even Jacob himself said in verse 24, Behold, I die. Jacob's dying. 
He's about to pass away off of this earth. And Joseph brings his two sons that the father Jacob might impart a blessing to them. But in that blessing, Jacob shares his past life. He shares it with his sons and his grandsons, his past life. First of all, in recalling uh, to them, or to recall to them your past life, notice first of all, he recalls past walks. Notice verse 15. And he, meaning Jacob, blessed Joseph and said, God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk. The first thing that Jacob recalled from his past is the walk of his grandfather and of his father. That's the first thing he recalled. He recalled their walks. You remember in the the book of Genesis, Enoch walked with God. And God said, Enoch, you're so close to my house, why don't you just come with me? And Enoch was not, for he walked with God. It says also in the book of Genesis chapter 6, that Noah walked with God. It can also be said that Abraham was a man that walked with God. You see, we need to recall the, we need to recall to our children the godly walk of our father and our mother. How they loved God. How they followed after God. If you didn't have a godly father, you need to remember this. Some of you here, you say, Brother Ronnie, my father was a drunk. Brother Ronnie, my father was an abuser. How can I recall such a life? When your children come along, you make sure you recall that life and you warn them about such a lifestyle. I'll never forget as I was growing up, I had a godly father. I remember the ways my father walked in. We never missed a service. Boys, you listening to me? We never missed a service. We was there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Allison, my parents took us to church. My parents loved God. They sit there and sat under uh, the admonition of their preacher. They endeavored to follow what he had to say. But my dad always told me of his father. He was a drunkard. He didn't care about God. My grandfather would take my father as an eight and nine year old boy down to the saloon, park him in the parking lot, leave him in the car, go get drunk uh, uh, out of his gourd in the saloon and make my eight year old daddy drive across Lookout Mountain on the way home. My daddy recalled to me the wickedness of my grandfather. It was an admonition in my own life. I don't want that for my boys. I don't want that for my family. If you didn't have a godly father, you make sure you, you tell uh, your children about that uh, ungodly grandparent, ungodly father or mother and tell them that's not the way to go. You see, he recalled the past walks of their fathers. I think about the walk, uh, the walk of my mother-in-law. What a godly walk my mother-in-law had. And I left to raise uh, three uh, girls on her own by herself and never missed a Sunday. Always got her ch- children ready for church. We don't know how. I, me and my wife talked about it many times. Don't know how in the world she was able to get her children into church and get them ready by herself. You recall a godly per- parentage to your children. You see, he recalled past wrongs, but not only that, he recalled past wrongs. Past wrongs. Look at, look at verse 16. Jacob's laying this blessing on Ephraim and Manasseh. Look at what he said. And the angel which redeemed me from all evil, all evil, Jacob said, all my evil, that angel redeemed me from. You see, Jacob reminded them, recalled them to past wrongs. Jacob admits that there are some things in his life that were evil. Jacob was no angel. You remember Jacob. You remember the stories. It's a pretty low down thing to deceive your father on his deathbed, but that's exactly what Jacob did. Deceived his own father on his deathbed. 
It's a pretty low down rotten thing for a Jacob to split up his two families, have one on this side of the ridge, one on that side of the ridge. If this one gets wiped out, he'll go to that one. If that one gets wiped out, he'll go to that one. I tell you what, Jacob's pretty low down character. He did some wicked things. We ought to readily recall our past wrongs to our children. Hey, hey, your child knows you're not perfect. I don't know what kind of facade you've been putting on to your children and trying to act like that nothing ever bad, that you never did anything bad. But I'm telling you what, they know you're real. And I tell you what, you'd be even more so if you'd recall some of the things that you've done in your life that were wrong. That's the wrong way to go, boys. That's the wrong way to go, daughter. That's the wrong path to take. We ought to readily recall those wrongs to our children. We should not, we should in, in a glory, we shouldn't glory in our past sins, but we should call it what it was. Boys, it was fornication. Boys, it was drunkenness. Daughter, it was wicked what I did, lying and stealing and thieving like I was. We ought to readily recall our past wrongs. That's what Jacob did. He said, oh, that angel redeemed me of all my evil. Not only past wrongs, but also recall past wanderings. In Deuteronomy 30, uh, 32.10, it said about Jacob that God found him in a desert land, in a waste, howling wilderness. You see, the more I thought about Jacob, the more I thought about his wanderings as well. Running from Esau, running from Laban, ultimately running from God. Past wanderings. You be sure to recall to your children the wanderings and the runnings that you've did from God. The times you've ran away, ran from God's call. The times you rebelled against God's call. You remind your children of those things. When I, when I, uh, listen, when I hit those college years of my life, I ran from God, boys. Allison, I ran from God every chance I had. I'd run from that godly heritage that I was bequeathed, that I was head down, laid down in my life. Don't run from God, children. Come to Jesus. Come to God. Don't run from Him. But the past wanderings we should recount, but also we should recall the past wounds. The past wounds. And in, in, in Genesis chapter 32 and verse 31, as a Jacob was by himself the night before he was to meet Esau for the first time since his uh, stealing of the birthright. Jacob wrestled with a man all night long. And also in, in Genesis 32, 30, uh, 31, it said, And he passed over Penuel, and the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. If you'll recall in the wrestling with that angel, the angel touched the hollow of his thigh, caused him not to be able to walk, damaged him, wounded him. And from that day forward, Jacob halted on his, on, on his, uh, on his stave, on his staff. He always had a limp after that. As a result of wrestling with God, Jacob had a physical reminder with, uh, uh, with him for the rest of his days. A limp, a wound on his life. What are some scars that you can relay? Are there scars that you can relay of a, a wayward life of sin? Are there scars, maybe not physical scars, you might not be able to point to a place on your body uh, where you suffered the, the chastisement or the, the results of sin, but you can, call, you can recall emotional scars and sorrows of, to great extent, of marriages and families that are torn apart. You can recall those scars and remind your children of those such wounds. Recall to them your past life. Recall to them those difficulties. I'll never forget when I was a child, and, uh, and I would, my, when I was a child, my dad, for a period of time, got away from the Lord. And, uh, 
he, he bought him a motorcycle at the time, just kind of forsook Lord, kind of just kind of went and did his own thing for a while. Wasn't long after that that my dad had a terrible bike accident. And they had to have surgery on his shoulder and they, they put a pin in his shoulder. He has a deep scar on his shoulder. Any time when I was in those rebellious high school years and wanting to do my own thing and rebel against my parents, my dad would pull his t-shirt aside. He'd show me that scar. This is what happens when you go the wrong way. This is what happens when you forsake God. He would remind me with wounds. I wonder what wounds can we talk to our children about? About waywardness of our lives and what it's cost us. You see, we need to recall a past life to our children. That's what Jacob did. Recall the evils in his life, the wanderings, the, uh, the walks, the wrongs, the wounds, and the wanderings. Notice, and second of all, not only did he recall to them your past life. That's, that's what you ought to do. Recall your past life. Let them know what's happened to you. Let them know the past that you've tried and the way you've gone. But also, we should remind them of a present Lord. Notice in verse 21, uh, uh, Israel said unto Joseph, Behold, I die. Summing up the whole life of Jacob. But then he goes on to say, But God shall be with you. But God shall be with you. Joseph, God will be with you. Uh, he said, I'm dying. But I don't, I, I want to remind you that the God that was in the past with me is the God of the present now. The God that followed me in the past and was there in every wrong turn, every wicked deed that I did is the God of the present of the right now. He's a present God that walks with us, that goes with us. Uh, we find in the, uh, uh, we find first of all, we remind them of a present Lord. We want to remind them of a Lord that confronts. The Lord that confronts, Genesis 32, 24, said, and Jacob was left alone. This is that night, remember, where he wrestled with the angel. Jacob was left alone. There wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was, was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said unto him, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? What's your name? Jacob. It's not as though God didn't know who his name was. He wanted Jacob to admit his name. You see, Jacob wrestled with the angel all night and in the end, Jacob is confronted with the question, who is this? Who are you? It was the same question that his father confronted him with him and last time he lied. He said, I'm Esau. I'm Esau, your son. All the while going in to steal the birthright. But see, he is relaying that here in this message that God is with you. He is relaying that God is a God that confronts. That confronts our sin. God confronted him about who he was. And what did he do? He cried out, oh, I'm Jacob. I'm Jacob the thief. I'm Jacob the heel snatcher. You see, it was a, it was a realization that God confronts them with their sin. We need to remind our children that God, the ever-present God, is a God that will confront sin that will confront sin head on. If they're ever going to be in the kingdom of God, they must realize they're a sinner. They must realize and say, I am Jacob. I am the drunkard. I am the fornicator. I am the blasphemer. I am the one that's uh, disrespectful to my parents. I am the sinner. You see, he's a God that confronts children. Not only is he a God that confronts, but we need to remind them of a God that converts. <laughs> a God that changes a God that changes lives. After that moment, Jacob was never the same. In, in, in Genesis 32, 30, and Jacob called the place 
uh, uh, called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Jacob was never the same after that encounter with God on that, uh, on that evening wrestling match. Warren Wiersbe said this, He was broken to be healed. He was weakened to be strengthened. Oh, listen, our God is a converting God. Our God is a God that changes lives. Son, daughter, child. That The God that I serve is a life-changing God that converts, changes our direction. Children, my children, my children, listen to me. He's a God that changed my life. March the 20th, 1994. I've never been the same since then. I have not been perfect, but God miraculously changed my life that day. He's a converting God. He's not only a, a comfort, a God that confronts, a God that converts. He's a God that claims. He's a God that claims. Look at, the, or I'll read it for you in, uh, in Genesis 32, 28. God said this to, to, uh, to uh, Jacob. He said, after, after Jacob admitted, he said, yes, I'm the heel snatcher. Yes, I, I'm the thief. I'm the robber. I'm the wrongdoer. And then God says, what's his reply? He said, thy name shall no more be called Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince thou hast power with God and with men and hast prevailed. You see, he's a God that claims. God claimed him as his own. No, Jacob, not anymore. <laughs> you're, you're not a heel snatcher anymore. I change you. I claim you today as my own. He is a God that claims us as His own. Jacob honestly admitted who he was and God now says, you ain't that no more. <laughs> if we'll just admit who we are, God will change who we are. If we'll just come clean with God and tell Him we're a sinner, tell Him how that we've broken God's law, tell Him we're a heel snatcher, a defiler, God will change who we are and claim us as His own. You see, uh, what loving kindness that God showed Jacob that night. You see, uh, we find uh, that uh, we find the best example of this in 1 Corinthians uh, 6, 9 through 11. What? Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor reviler, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. That covers just about every one of us, if not all of us. We've broken God's law. But then it goes on to say, And such were some of you, but now, but ye are washed, ye are sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Just like God changed Jacob's name to Israel, Prince with God, he did that to me on March the 20th, 1994. Claimed me as his own. Made me a child of God. You see, he claims. We need to remind them of the Lord that claims. We need to remind them of the Lord that cares as well. Notice verse 11 in chapter 48. Chapter 48, verse 11. Notice this. Israel is uh, talking to Joseph. And Israel said to Joseph, I had not thought to see thy face. And lo, God hath showed me also thy seed. You remember the story? How that the brothers envied Joseph. They wanted him dead. And, but instead of killing him, they sold him uh, to, the, uh, to the, uh, the, the caravan going to Egypt. 
And the boys killed a, a goat or a, a, an animal and put the blood on that coat of many colors and showed it to Jacob, their father. Jacob was broken. He was broken hearted to lose the firstborn of his beloved Rachel. Uh, life seemed an empty shell after the loss of Joseph. But I want you to know that God cares. God cares. God cares. God showed Jacob not only Joseph's face once again, but showed him Joseph's children. Showed him his grandchildren. Oh, ain't nothing like grandchildren. Ain't that right, Bill? Ain't nothing like grandchildren. My pastor said, uh, uh, said it many times that grandchildren are the reward for not killing your own. Amen. Isn't that a fact? I bet that's a fact. I'm looking forward to it. Amen. But, but the fact of the matter is that God allowed Jacob to see his very own grandchildren and his old beloved son. We need to remind our children that he's a God that cares. Not only a God that claims and converts and confronts, he's a God that cares about your woes. He's a God that cares about your problems. He's a God that cares about your hot sorrows and hurtings. Look at verse 15. In verse 15, that same chapter, I, I, uh, he said, uh, the, uh, said unto Joseph, God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, the, the, the God which fed me all my life long unto this day. It's a God that cares about every need of our life. Jacob said, this God that I followed, this God that I've walked with all these years is the one that has fed me every day right up to the last. He's a God that cares about your needs. He's a God that cares about your wants. He's a God that cares about your difficulties. There's a lot of folks going through a lot of hard times right now. A lot of financial difficulties. Maybe you kids have parents going through difficulties. You can tell them for sure that God cares about their problems. God cares about their difficulties. He's a God that cares. Uh, uh, Jacob is proving that. He's a God that cares about our every need and has the ability to meet them. You remind your children. Listen, when it comes to pass and God meets the need <laughs> that you find miraculous, when God miraculously meets the need, remind your children, this is a gift from God. We serve a God that cares about our needs. If we'll be faithful, if we'll follow God, He'll meet every one of our needs out of His riches and glory. If we'll trust Him, like that song Sister Sharon uh, sang, if we'll trust Him, He'll be faithful and true. He's a God that cares, but also He's a God that covenants. That covenants. Look at verse 3 and 4 in that chapter number 48. Jacob said unto Joseph, God Almighty appeared unto me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me and said unto me, Behold, I will make thee fruitful and multiply thee. I will make of thee a multitude of people and will give thee and give this land to thy seed after thee for an everlasting possession. This is the Abrahamic covenant that's being bequeathed to his son, Joseph. You see, Jacob, uh, God is a covenant-keeping God. God has made promises that He'll keep. 2 Corinthians 1.20 For all the promises of God in Him are yea, and in Him are amen unto the glory of God by us. He promises to meet our needs out of His riches and glory, and He keeps that promise. He promised to, uh, to, uh, to us an abundant Christian life, and Christ gives us, promises us that life and He fulfills that promise. If you're not living an abundant Christian life, it's not because Christ hasn't offered it to you. 
Uh, he, he gives us the promise of an abundant Christian life, of the riches of His glory. Uh, but also He promised us that He would prepare a place for us. And if He go, He'll come again and receive us unto, our, unto Himself. You see, He's never failed to meet His promises. He is a covenant-keeping God. We can cast our cares upon Him because He keeps His promises. We can trust Him because He keeps His covenants. The covenants of salvation. The covenants of, of meeting our needs. What Jesus said, oh, listen, the, the birds of the air, they don't sow the fields and they don't plow and harvest yet your heavenly Father meets their needs. There's not a one of them that falls to the ground at the heavenly Father. How much more are you than they? Oh, you have a covenant-keeping God. So we should recall to our children our past life. If we're going to leave a godly legacy with our children, you got to recall it over and over and over again. You need, to, you need to get it to where they'll never forget the stories that you told them of the wayward path that you took and how God confronted you, converted you, claimed you, uh, 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 cared for you and covenanted with you all your life. You see, we need to recall to them your past life. Remind them of a present Lord. And then refer them to a promised land. Notice the last phrase in verse 21, our text verse. Behold, I die. He sums up his past. But God shall be with you. He sums up the present. But then finally he says, and bring you again unto a land of your fathers. Refer them to a promised land. Jacob recalled to Joseph the passing of his life with the phrase, behold, I die. Jacob reminded Joseph of the present Lord with but God will be with you. And finally, Jacob refers Joseph to a promised land. Jacob, first of all, we find to a land of God's planning. Land of God's planning. Jacob is reminding Joseph that this Egypt land was just temporary provision by God for the survival of His people. It was not the final destiny God's plan was for God's people to live in God's promise. I never use the, I never use the argument when I preach the gospel. Then say this. You'll hear a lot of times you'll say, hear preachers say this. Come to Jesus. He's got a wonderful plan for your life. Have you ever heard a preacher say that? Everybody lift your hand. You ever heard a preacher say that? God's got a wonderful plan for your life. Well, let's talk to the apostle Paul who was beaten, stoned, bruised, imprisoned, stoned to death shipwrecked was it a wonderful life no not necessarily i don't use that to draw people into the gospel but i do say this that every child of god god has a plan for your life it may not be a wonderful plan it may be a difficult plan it may be a plan of sorrow it may be a plan of pain but god has a plan for your life and he has a plan not for you to stay in Egypt's land. Don't put your tent pegs too deep in this world. Because God has a wonderful plan. Uh, God has a plan laid out for our lives. A plan of usefulness for the glory of God. A plan of victory. A plan of service. Remind your children of the ultimate plan of God for their lives. Tell your children, if you'll lend yourselves to God, if you'll submit unto Him, God will use you for His own glory. And you can't ask for more fulfilling plan in this life than to be used for God's glory. You see, we need to refer them to a land of God's planning. 
We need to refer them to a land of God's providing. Jacob is referring to the land which God had promised to his grandfather Abraham and to his father Isaac. Joseph, he's telling Joseph, Joseph, don't plant your tent pegs too deep in this world. Don't, don't dig to, there's a land coming, Joseph. A land flowing with milk and honey. Joseph, set your sights on that foreign land. Set your sights on a land to come. Don't be satisfied in this Egypt's land. Although God used it to provide for His children, don't, don't put your tent pegs here. I think Jesus said it best in John 14, 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Don't get too comfortable in this world. Like that old song said, this world's not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's golden shore and I just don't think I can feel at home in this world anymore. Hey, there's a land of coming, a land coming, a land of, of a spotless day, streets of gold, gates of pearl, children. There's more to this life than what you see around you. There's a land that is fairer than day and by faith we can see it afar. There's a land of coming, a land of God's providing. Notice lastly, a land, refer them to a land of God's planning. Refer them to a land of God's uh, providing. But lastly, refer them to a land of God's proving. Proving. Notice verse 22. I almost skipped over it. I almost didn't, didn't use it, but what a great verse. Look at verse 22. After he said that uh, Joseph in verse 21, I'll bring you, God will bring you to a land of your fathers. In verse 22, he says, Moreover, I have given to thee one portion above thy brethren, which I took out of the hand of the Amorite with my sword and my bow. You see, uh, uh, the, the re-entry of the Jews into the promised land is not a picture of the child of God going to heaven. Do you realize that? That the book of Joseph is not a, 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 a spying into heaven and going into heaven. Man, in heaven there ain't going to be no battles. Amen. There's not going to be no enemies in heaven. There's not going to be any, any taken territory in heaven. No, what is being talked about here is the victorious Christian life. Jacob is saying, Joseph, I've fought some battles in my day. I've had some victories in my day. And I want you, by God's grace, to have those same victories. Listen, there are going to be some battles ahead. But this is the proving ground. God showing Himself mighty on the behalf of His people. Listen, when you go through a battle, you remind your children, we had victory here. We had victory over sin. We had victory over the flesh and the devil in this household. And son, the victories I've experienced in my Christian life, I want them to see them in your life. Daughter, I want you to have the same victory of purity that I've endeavored to keep in my life. Son, I want you to have the same victory and righteousness in your life that I've seen in mine. Victories to be had. Share with them. Point them. Refer them to a land of victory. A land of promise. A land of proving. You see, in closing, just because you know the Lord doesn't mean that your children will. It's not a guarantee. I'm not guaranteed that my sons and my daughter would live to glorify God, would uh, would live to follow God all the days of their life. 
I'm not guaranteed that. But what I can guarantee is that I would take a godly heritage. You know that Proverbs 22, 6. What that is a picture of. It said, train up a child the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. That word, train up a child, it's the picture of a mother taking oil, like olive oil, and putting it in the mouth of a baby so that they may get a taste of what olive oil is like. So they may create a desire for olive oil. So they'll eat the most commonly thing. That's what they cook with, olive oil. They created that desire. We should take a godly heritage and delve it into our children's lives. A godly heritage of reminding them that you're just a sinner saved by the grace of God. Reminding them of a God that has done everything in your life. A God that deserves all the glory for what you've done in your life. And, a, and all, we should also refer them to victories to come. To heaven to come. To a land of God's provision and God's planning in our lives. You see, that's how. We can't guarantee they'll be saved. Just because you come to Gethsemane Baptist Church, just because you put your child under the sound of solid gospel preaching does not mean they'll come to the kingdom of God. But it does mean this. They'll never get away from it. They'll run. They'll run. I remember many a time in the back of a bar, drunken, in a drunken stupor, trying to wash the fog of the evening off my face, looking in that mirror, and being reminded of my father's godly testimony that told me, boy, don't you ever touch that alcohol. It'll ruin your life. I never got away from it. As hard as I run, I never got away from it. I'd even brag to my buddies. I've done everything my parents never always told me to do. I'd brag to them, but always was a constantly reminder of that godly heritage. That's the best thing you can do for your child, parent. Children, you listen to the godly heritage of your fathers. If your, if your parents aren't godly, if God, if somehow you come on this bus and your parents don't know the Lord, I'm telling you what, you can look up to some of the people in this place and you can follow after them. You got a lot of these, a lot of times, uh, people say that young people need to be around young people. They just need to be around young people. I tell you what, a lot of young people need to find themselves with some older people that they can look up to. A lot of these folks that don't have parents that, uh, that, uh, uh, that go to church, that love God, that want to serve God, It'd be good for some of you folks, uh, some of you older folks to try to get to know some of these younger kids that come to this place and try to leave a legacy in their life. Oh, I remember sister so-and-so at church and how godly she was and how she loved me. I think about uh, Mark Monty, one of my favorite preachers from Illinois. He preaches in Avon, Indiana. He often talks about uh, when he was a kid, his parents didn't know the Lord. His dad was an atheist. But there was a little little Baptist, a little Presbyterian uh, uh, church bus that come by and knocked on the door one day, wanted to bring the kids to church to Sunday school, and they offered them uh, Kool-Aid and cookies. And so the boys went, and and Pastor Mark Monty said, I'll never forget that godly Sunday school teacher sitting in that room. He could name her by name, teaching me John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. A godly legacy that can't be torn from their mind. Let's instill that in our children. And pray that God would bring it forth under the fruit of salvation. Let's stand as we come with a song of invitation. But God will be with you, Joseph. Oh, parent, let's, let's bear that 
load of responsibility. The raising and the nurture and admonition of our children in the Lord. And let's recall these things to their mind. Recall them of a past life. Remind them of a present Lord. Refer them to a promised land. Oh, we can do this and leave a godly legacy. I tell you what, you're doing real good by being here today. And being here today and shaking your head yes to the preacher. Some of you had tears in your eyes thinking about all that God's brought you through and done for you. Those tears don't go unnoticed by those children. I remember many a time my daddy squalling in a meeting and raising his hand, praising God. I remember my mama oftentimes going down to the altar and pouring her heart out to God. Oh, leave a godly legacy with them that'll never depart. As we sing a song of invitation, there may be some of you here today that don't know the Lord. You're in a waste, howling wilderness. You're running from God. You've been running from God from the get-go. You have never turned your life over to God. You're wrestling with God, fighting against Him. Relent, submit to Him today. Call it like it is. Oh God, I'm a Jacob. I'm a blasphemer. I'm a fornicate. Oh God, forgive me of my sins. Admit who you are. And Christ will say, now you're no longer that. I'll make you something else. I'll change you. Jesus Christ changes lives. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If you're here today lost, today's the day of salvation. Repent, come, and believe the gospel. Christ died for your sins. He took the penalty of your sins on the cross. If you'll but repent and believe, He'll save you today. Would you not come? What about you parents? How many parents here today say, I want to leave my child a godly legacy? A godly legacy. I want, my, I want my children to see me on my knees praying. I want my children to see me with a Bible open. I want my children to see me worshiping and praising God in spirit and truth. Don't, doesn't care who's watching. Don't care uh, uh, how many formalities and people eyeballing you for you lifting your hands and praising God and saying, thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. Thank you for forgiveness of my sins. Oh, we ought to glorify God and leave a legacy in our lives of what God has done. A legacy in our children's life of what God has done in our lives. How many parents would dedicate themselves today? Say, oh God, I want to, I want to follow you. I want to leave that godly legacy. I'm never going to get over where you found me. I'm never going to get over how you saved me, how you changed me, how you made me and what you want me, want me to be. God, I'll never forget the battles I've won and the places you've taken me and the land you're continuing to lead me toward. How many of your parents would come as we sing a song of invitation? Right now, respond as we begin to sing. What number? 337. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. You come as we begin to sing. I'm trusting to the unseen hand. We hope and pray that today's episode of the Unseen Hand podcast has been a help and blessing to you. For more information such as other podcasts, ministry helps, blog posts, previous sermons, or how to contact Brother Brown directly, just go to RonnieBrown.net. Join us next time for another message from Brother Ronnie on the Unseen Hand podcast. Until then, may God's unseen hand gently guide you on your journey home. The Unseen Hand.